Welcome to episode 17 of Soccer Over Gotham. Thanks again for just tuning in. I'm your host, Gary. The expansion draft rules are out, and Ruby and I are going to give our thoughts on who we would protect and why. We will recap our games against Chicago and see what we can learn from it. On this episode, we will also interview Jonathan Tannenwald of the Philadelphia Inquirer. As always, if you have any thoughts or questions, you can email us at SoccerOverGotham at gmail.com or visit us at SoccerOverGotham.com. Without any further ado, let's go Gotham. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. What a beautiful night it was in Harrison this past weekend. Ruby, what's up? What's up? Yes, it was such a beautiful night at Red Bull Arena. It was... It was a perfect weather for soccer, for real. It really was. But before we get into it, how are you? I'm once again asking, where is this rain? <laughs> we're, supposed, <laughs> we're supposed to get rain like every hour. I keep getting like flood watch alerts, but no rain. But other than that, oh, um, really? do, yeah, you got to get rain where you are. No, it's no? supposed to rain tonight or tomorrow, mm. but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, I'm doing good. Do you have a good Labor Day weekend? I did. I just have to complain. I think it should be like a labor week, not labor day. <laughs> no doubt. Especially with that weather. <laughs> so shout out to Allie Long, 150 NWSL appearances. That's amazing. Woo, yeah. 150 caps. That's very impressive. And yeah, congrats to Allie Long. She actually got interviewed after the game. Uh, the Cooligans actually interviewed her. And she mentioned how special it would be for her to win a championship here in her hometown. So, yes, Ali, we are rooting for you and for Gotham to win. <laughs> yeah, we're with you on that. In last week's podcast, I kind of gave a shout out to Jonathan Tannenwald for his work on the last, on his, basically his great NSL, NWSL coverage. He did really good covering our new coach and the feeling of the team at the time and the fans a bit, but he's going to be this week's guest, which I'm excited to talk to him. We will get to him later, but first we got some news. Former sky blue coach, Christy Holly was fired from his post at Louisville. Louisville says he was let go for cause. So now that's two stops and two releases for him. According to sources, there is no current league investigation into the matter. I'm not sure if we're ever going to know exactly what happened, but I will say, however, uh, that coaching is a fraternity. And honestly, it is as toxic as it is at the pro level. It's more so at the youth level. The quickest way to break up this toxic fraternity of coaches is for players to become coaches and administrators. A couple of weeks ago, uh, you mentioned, Ruby, that this league is covering players getting their B licenses, which is a big deal. Is that true? Yeah, it is true. And Ah, I'm I'm also like that's really big news and I'm really happy for that. So the NWSL and the NWSLPA and US Soccer have partnered to hold free B licenses coaching courses for current and former NWSL players. I believe this is actually really great and it gives the players something to look forward to because let's be real, some of these players after they stop playing soccer, they think that's that's it, done and they have to retire. So this is something for them to look forward to and stay with soccer. And yeah, I love to see this. Yeah, I think it was jo- Joanna uh, Lohman, I think her last name is. Uh, she wrote a couple books on soccer mm-hmm. and she's she's fantastic. Uh, she put out a tweet saying that she's going to get her coaching license, which is amazing. 
And basically she said that I might not be the most tactical genius in the world, but at least the players that I'm going to be coaching are going to be taken care of. And I thought that was quite nice. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's good to see more of that going on. Absolutely. There's other breaking news today. The league announced its expansion draft rules for next season. Basically, teams can protect nine players, including only one of their U.S. allocated players that were designated at the beginning of the season. So Gotham only has one U.S. allocated player in purse. So that's kind of an easy one. But also San Diego and L.A. can only take one U.S. allocated player from the pool. So I imagine that player is probably going to come from like Portland, North Carolina, possibly Chicago, maybe Orlando. That's just a guess. I actually think my, I changed my mind from earlier, but I think my guess is Mewis or Pew. That's what I'm going with. But uh, Mewis and Pew. Yeah. yeah that's, what I, that's what I think I got. I was looking at Orlando at, at Morgan because I think she probably wants to go back to California, maybe, but I think they'll mm-hmm. probably trade for her. So I think Chicago has probably the next place to steal from. <laughs> But, you know, let's get right into it, uh, Ruby. Let's talk about – I'll tell you about my list, and then we'll see if we oh. agree. Course at the top of the list, we're protecting Purse, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody's nobody's not going to protect Purse. My next stop on my protection list is Anamanu. Of course, yeah. Okay. Uh, then I'm actually going to take Sheridan, definitely protecting oh, yeah, her. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Even even though Didi's also pretty great, but, yeah, protecting Sheridan's good. Yes, I'll tell you why I'm protecting protecting Sheridan and not protecting Didi. I'll tell you why that in a moment. So the next I got is Vienne. I definitely want Evelyn to stay for next season. I think she's got a lot of t- uh, chance to grow here. Yeah. Okay. I got Didasco. Okay. I, I got have that one too. But I'm yeah, I'm going to let you go through your list and then I'll go through mine. <laughs> okay. So then I got Dorsey, Long, Pinto, and my last wild card, I'm still vacillating between Monahan, Cujo, or Zaboni. I th- I'm thinking, like, I'm not really concerned about either, you know, San Diego or, or uh, Angel City taking one of our 30 year old plus veterans. I'm just, mm-hmm. there's too much talent in the pool that they're probably not going to take them. So I, I'm going to not protect a couple players that I think they might take, but it's a gamble. I think yeah. that Freya is the wild card here. I think Freya knows this team and she likes her veteran talent. So it's possible she could take a player from us. Freeman, she might take, but I'm going to keep her unprotected for this one. What do you got? All right. So I'm going to tell you my list. And I came up with this really quick because this news came out of nowhere and I had a little time to come up with my list. But this is my list. First of all, I'm going to start, of course, on goal. As well, I have Sheridan. Yes, I have Sheridan. Then I have Vibasco. She's great. She's the best player in the NWSL right now, so that's a no-brainer. I have Gina. Solid. Gina's always solid. And now that you explain why you didn't protect some of the veterans, I see why. But Gina's incredible. Yeah. Then I have Johnson. That's my fourth. Then I have Mandy, my fifth. Then I have Pinto, and like you said, Purse, of course, because she's the only U.S. Um, allocated that we have now that Lloyd is retiring. And then I have Anumanu and Long. So our list is pretty similar, just a few people 
Yeah, you're protecting all three center backs. You'll, you'll, you're going defense first. All right, I like it. Yes. I mean, I again, we had, what's our struggle? Our struggle has been forwards. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know, maybe we need something new. Yeah. So I'll tell you why I'm not protecting Didi. I like Didi a lot. I think she's a fantastic player. And as you, if you listen to this podcast, we've been saying over and over and over that mm-hmm. she's a starter in this league. So I actually kind of want what's best for her. I think she can yeah. start. And I think that she should be starting for some team if it's not for us. And exactly. after our conversation with Dan, the goalkeeping coach, and how much he talked up Mandy McGlynn as a possible future U.S. keeper, I say, hey, you know what? Let's get let's get Mandy a, a chance to get some minutes behind Sheridan, and let's see Dee start for somebody else. And I'll be cheering for her there. You. Yeah. The other things, I didn't protect any of the center backs because I felt that, again, as we talked about with the veterans being – over yeah. 30 only freeman is under 30 and she is injury prone so possibly that that they don't take her because of that so that's the gamble i'm taking in this roster i would hate and you're right yeah. yeah go ahead as much as i hate i like i love mandy a lot but yes yeah, she's been injured a lot lately so hopefully this is the last time but like you said yeah she might be unprotected for that reason yeah, and I would hate I to see. Where are we gonna see like the final list? Yeah, they said that not till had they only released the list till January, so we got a long time. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because that's when they know whose rosters, who's um, been picked up, who's been renewed, yeah. all that. I, I would hate to see Cujo get taken because I know how much she wants to be here. And like last time, they she was taken and then we like traded for her back. So yeah. that might be a gamble a team takes just to get us twice, but <laughs> but I I, I think her. Yeah, six, and this yeah. is the this is the list that we have right now with all the games we've seen. Yeah. But again, we have more more uh, games to go to, so maybe our list will change. So probably we will make another list at the end of the season. Yeah, agree yeah. with you. Let's move on to our game recap. I was thrilled to see assistant coach and friend of the show, Becky Tweed at the helm. It's it's, I hope it's a sign of of more to come. She's, it was so well-deserved for her, but just getting to the lineup, Cujo was back in the starting lineup, which is interesting. I had mentioned in the cloud nine Facebook group that if Cujo was in addition to Zerboni and that Zerboni, that means Gotham was trying to lock down the middle of the field, but it kind of doesn't give us much going off uh, forward offensively. Chicago would kind of be forced to the wings but I immediately thought this was going to be a low-scoring affair when I saw all three of our defensive center mids in the lineup. But your thoughts, Ruby? So I've been saying I wanted Cujo for, to start for a while now. But I don't know. After this game, I'm not really sure if that was the best idea. She was pretty quiet, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. We didn't lock the middle of the field. Like you said, we didn't have offensive creativity. And we didn't have any goals and again, this game was another defensive game from start to finish. It felt like we hopped in a time machine uh, to the Challenge Cup or the first couple of games <laughs> of the season. Because that's basically yeah. how you describe the first half. I mean, Gotham kind of clogged the middle of the field as predicted and then kind of pushed Chicago to the wings. Uh, Gotham had slick passing combos on the sidelines we, like we did early in the season. A ton of those crazy, dangerous back passes to Sheridan. And oh some chaotic, nervy moments in the back. Just 
classic Gotham. So I guess you can take Freya out of Gotham, but you can't take the Freya out of Gotham. Uh, Chicago basically just sat back and just tried to spring Watt and Pew like they always do and try to get them behind Gotham's backline, and it was moderately successful. Gotham doesn't get a shot off on goal in the first half, and uh, I would say Chicago was mostly in control of that half. Ruby, your thoughts? Yeah, they were. We were so lucky we didn't lose. And yeah, those those back passes to Sheridan, I was those were nerd wracking. I was <laughs> like, I was like, just kick it out, kick it out, kick it out. Thank God we got that ball out of there, and we were able to to protect our side. And yeah, like you said, we can't take Freya out of Gotham too soon, especially when the team has only had two days before this game because of the hurricane that came through New Jersey. So the best bet was to keep playing the the Freya style. And since we didn't have much time, there was not much to change, you know, so we we just had to stick with what they felt comfortable with. Yeah. How did you make it through all that storm? I, I did all right, honestly. So thank God, because, yeah, it kept raining and raining and raining. That day I was at work. And when I had to come back home, I had to take like little back roads and stuff because there was a little bit of flooding, but it was not as bad as I seen like Jersey City or around the the stadium at Harrison. It was really bad. But where I live, it was not it was not bad. Thank God. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Allentown up on the hill. So like there's nothing that can phase me up here. But uh, both the places that I grew up, both in Bridgewater and North Lanefield were just oof, just covered. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, indeed. So second half, uh, it was kind of a mirror image of the first half. Lee came on for Cujo (laughs) at half and does a lot of running. Uh, There really wasn't much to talk about here. Pew and Watt uh, ran the defense from wide spots over and over. Johnson and Lewandowski were forced to make some desperation tackles. Sheridan forced to make a couple of solid stops, and she made a beautiful double save early on in the half. But the game ends with Gotham being just pinned into their defensive third and six minutes plus of corners. There was some curious subs, Eddie for Kawasumi, Fiennes for Anamanu. Mm-hmm. Gotham doesn't register a shot on target. Any final thoughts? I don't really have much to say about this game because like you said, this felt like a time machine. Like we somehow we were back in May. I don't know how <laughs> it did not go the way we wanted, but Gotham did their best not to lose. So that's, that's great. And like I said before, Gotham just decided to stay and like just play safe. And I don't blame them. And I'm content with the draw. I'll take one point. And at this point where we don't have a coach and we get one point, that's something, I guess, to celebrate and then move and progress and move forward. The real test starts now. So we have to take advantage of this three weeks that we have. Now it's just a, a waiting game. We'll wait and see. I think to your point... You have to consider this is Chicago's A team, and we've kind of faced Chicago's A team a couple times this season, and they mm-hmm. haven't been able to break us down even after all the chaos we've been through. So, yeah, yeah. I guess fair enough. We'll take the point, right? But, you know, for me, uh, the biggest obstacle thing for the new coach is trying to figure out how to get Iffy and Lloyd on the field at the same time and getting them mm-hmm. both producing. I think right now it's just not working kind of for either of them. You know, however, I mean, it seems Lloyd will be away for the next two games, so we have that break to figure things out. I want to see both those players on the field scoring goals, and if we, I, I hope we switch to maybe like a four-four-two formation, 
So we can somehow get both of those going out. Just like Chicago uses Watts and Pew, I think we can do that with our, you know, let's take a deeper dive into this game. What are some of your takeaways? All right. One of my takeaways from this game was that somehow, again, our forwards turn into midfielders because you would see Lloyd and Anumanu back in midfield, like trying to help. Then our midfielders turn into defenders and then our defenders literally turn into superheroes because they saved the game. whole time I was watching that game, it was defense, defense, defense. Our defenders were the, the real superheroes, and thanks to them. I'm just going to throw this out there. Watt is overrated. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> she's fast, but she's too one-dimensional. She's just a straight-line yeah. player to me. And I have to agree with you. You're right. She She's overrated because the times she would have the ball and she was by herself, I don't know if she will overthink it or not, but and I was like, this is going to be a goal. And it was, it was not a goal. Yeah, I feel like she had a lot of missed opportunities. Also, besides that, Pew was really quiet in this game, and thank goodness she was. Yeah. Also, did you know, this is a fun fact, uh, Rachel Hill <laughs> actually played for Chicago on Saturday. Props to Ali, Gina, and Estelle. Rachel was completely MIA. Yep. Yep. That's true. Another takeaway I have, instead of saved by the bell i gotta say gotham got saved by the offsides flag and a lot yeah again like you would see what or pew coming in and the flag was up and i was like thank god because th- those two players are dangerous but at this point we don't know how dangerous what is because yeah she's overrated but yeah <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. i'll tell you what also surprised me this game i think evelyn vn surprised me a little bit she has a tool in her game that i kind of didn't know she had she was very good at holding the ball up like near midfield with her back to goal Mm -hmm. and then getting turned on her defender into open field and kind of driving past it was kind of very slick movement to her turns and i've only seen her kind of facing goal but you know let's see more of her yeah maybe we'll drop her to the number number 10 position who knows hashtag play your kids play your kids i have to agree I I hope with the new coaching or uh, with the new coaches, we see more of Vienz because I don't think she's gotten a fair opportunity and Pinto hasn't gotten a fair opportunity. So hopefully we get to mix things around and see what, what's good for Gotham. No doubt. And also we had uh, no Gatane for two weeks in a row. I'm curious if she's injured or not, but who knows? I don't think she is, but yeah, she didn't get to start this, this game, but she did play a few minutes at the end of the second half it was very minimal yeah she hasn't really played let's see here well so players of the week over on twitter over over gotham pod it was kind of a completely mixed bag but uh, who did you have for your player of the week i'm gonna be honest for this week it was really hard for me just to pick one player and again the whole game i kept switching between gina and Stell. Mm-hmm. And they had an unbelievable match, as well as Sheridan. But it was like Gina Stell, Gina Stell, and I don't know, Gina plus Stell for me equals a dynamic duo. Yes, and that's another reason that I possibly left Freeman protected because I think Gina and Stell are, are just a great duo. Absolutely. For me, again, as we talked about, this game was kind of shades of the early in the season where we kind of just let our keepers play under immense pressure and they had to come up with a couple bunch of solid saves so i'd say kaylin sheridan is my pick for player of the week and she made that again that double save early in the second half which was amazing 
And if Watts wasn't offside, she would have a triple save. (laughs) (laughs) Our stat of the week is that there was 12 corners given up by Gotham, but no goals conceded. So there's that. Uh, So that's a testament to, you know, allowing Pew and Watt to drive at the defense all game. But our defense held their ground and didn't let him get that final ball across. So again, you said you said dynamic duo, Gina and Estelle. Yeah. So there really isn't game to preview this week because we're going to take a big break ahead of us. Our next Mm -hmm. game is on the 25th at home against North Carolina. We're not going to break down that game until it gets closer. You know, I'm I'm working on getting us a special guest for our mid-break show. You know, we'll come up with something. Once we return, Ruby, it's a full-on sprint to the finish. We have seven games in five weeks. It's good that the new coach gets a couple of weeks to implement his playing style, but man, October is going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun, all these games. So, yeah, this is going to be the break it or make it for Gotham. I really hope we see them in the playoffs because that will be great for this team. Uh, It hasn't happened in a long time, and I think this team, these players deserve it. Yeah, no doubt. Any random thoughts? Uh, A little bit random, I guess. So, the NWSL has announced the date and location for the final. And guess what? Surprise! It's going to be in Portland. And another big surprise, well, this one, it is a surprise. It's going to be at 9 a.m. And a few players have come out publicly criticizing the time, plus the turf field, which is terrible. If you, if you played in turf field, just uh, falling on turf, it's it's painful. People on Twitter have also expressed their opinion on how Portland feels, how they feel the stadium, which is true. They do. They do have a big supporters group over there. And you have to go with something else. Like, I know it's the kind of like the obvious choice because you want people to come out and stuff. But there's there's other venues out there, too. I was going to say Red Bull Arena, but I, I I found out, of course, we Gotham is renting, so they couldn't enter the bid. Correct. Uh, hopefully next year we get something different. There was a rain delay for the one of the Red Bulls games, and just like Gotham, it kept getting pushed back and pushed back, and eventually it got it got canceled. And there was a lot of fans that were like mad at the Red Bulls for not selling them home. But mm-hmm. it's not them who controls it; it was the FS1 who was who controls the time slot. So when it came to Portland, they wanted the biggest crowd. They wanted they wanted their shiny gem Portland to be there. So <laughs> CBS picked the time, and because it's they have college football all day, starting at like 11 and 12. So that's why it's at 9 a.m. in the morning. But blame CBS. Unfortunately, we need better TV broadcasting deals. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it should have been probably in Orlando because they yeah. at least own that stadium. And come on, or uh, Port, like Orlando in like November, that's fine. Portland's going to be cold. Yeah, I actually Googled... Um... I don't know how the weather is in Portland. So I Googled uh, weather in November in Portland, and I think it's around 52. 52, it's not that great. So, yeah, Orlando is probably like 70s or 80s, which is awesome. Indeed. So I have one random thought of closing. I know things have gone a little off the rails as far as the front office is concerned. You know, however, I think one thing hasn't changed in this team, and it's the fight. Uh, As we talked about earlier, this was Chicago's A-team, and they came in and couldn't break us down. Again, this is a testament to a veteran-heavy roster and the leaders in the locker room. I know last month was rough, 
but I have faith that we're going to turn it around and I have faith mm-hmm. that we're going to make the playoffs. Chicago, again, is a good team. They couldn't beat us. So we're going to put it together. We're going to have Purse coming back. We're going to have Monaghan coming back. We're going to have Freeman coming back and we're going to roll to the playoffs. And where we go from there is up to us. Exactly. So they really haven't seen us. So they better be prepared because October, sorry, September 25th, we're going to come out and we're going to be such a different team. They're going to be like, who's this? This is going to be Gotham 2.0. So they better watch out for us. Indeed. We got something to prove. All right. So that's the end of our segment. Let's go talk to Jonathan and then we'll be back hopefully with a special show in a little bit. So for Ruby and myself, we will talk to you soon. See ya. All right, fans. So as mentioned on last week's podcast, our next guest is an essential follow on all of our meetings. Uh, He's been giving a voice to women's soccer for a long time and currently works for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Welcome, one of my favorite media members, Jonathan Tannenwald, to the show. Welcome, Jonathan. Hey, it's great to be here. Indeed. And we're also here with Ruby as well. Hello. So, Jonathan, uh, so first, you know, thank you for giving a voice to women's soccer, a local and national team. Uh, speaking of both, uh, it seems like you are back on speaking terms with Carly Lloyd. <laughs> okay. You really want me so, to go into that story? I can't. <laughs> not at all. So, speaking of Lloyd, uh, so what are your kind of thoughts on kind of the undeniable legacy of her, and what's it like been able to follow her on a remarkable journey? Well, let me start out with a disclaimer. Okay. This is a New York slash Northern New Jersey soccer show, right? Yes. So what's a guy from Philadelphia doing on a New York, New Jersey soccer show? I've learned that much over the years. Well, the answer is um, going back to the sky blue era. Yeah. When the team was at Rutgers and look, they've had for a long time, They've had players from the Philadelphia area, not just Carly Lloyd. Mm-hmm. So between that and when they were playing at Rutgers and it was just close enough, you know, and there was enough people in the Philly area who know of Rutgers or went to college there, that I could justify going up a few times a year to cover games and write features. And also you had people like Estelle Johnson when she got to the club who played for the Philadelphia Independents way back in the day who I've known ever since then. So Carly obviously is from South Jersey. And I think at this point has become the greatest soccer player that this area has ever produced men's or women's. You would have said for a long time, I don't know how many of your listeners would know the name Walter Bard, but he played on the 1950 U S men's world cup team that upset England in what is one of the great results in American soccer history, which does, there is actually an American soccer history. It's not just since the nineties, but Lloyd at this point, I think it's safe to say has surpassed that with all of the trophies and medals that she has won over the years. So she is a big piece of it. And then I've found in recent times, and I'm sure you and your listeners have seen this too, 
that thanks in part to the consolidation and gutting of a number of local newspapers in northern New Jersey, Sky Blue slash Gotham FC does not get a lot of coverage from the local media. And they don't get a ton from the papers in New York either because the papers don't pay attention to much of anything that happens across the Hudson except for the Giants and the Jets and a couple times a year the Red Bulls, right? So there's been an opportunity for me there to exploit and give some coverage and know that I could draw in an audience that was close enough to local and would subscribe to the Inquirer. And if they stuck around for coverage of New Jersey state politics, and don't we all know what the overlap there with Gotham FC is, then all the better. So you get now to Carly Lloyd, whose career I have been chronicling for a long time now. And um, obviously that is no secret to any of your listeners. I would imagine that her opinions of me over the years as they have gone up and down are also not all that much of a secret to your listeners. Um, I'd rather not rehash that ground excess. I don't think it does any of us any good. Yeah, understood. You don't mind my saying so? Yeah. Um, I'm happy that things are where they are now. Yeah. And here's here's the crux of the conversation. In addition to all of the trophies that she has won and the games that she has won and the fan base that she has acquired and the popularity that she has gained and the endorsements and so on, she's got a big ego. It's obvious. Yeah. Not news to anybody. Well, guess what? In my book, and I'm sure in the book of this show, and in the book of a lot of the people who are listening to the show, but I think it needs to be said anyway. In my book, women athletes are allowed to have big egos. Why? Because the men are allowed to have big egos. Your average football player, professional, and now thankfully the college players can make themselves some money too for the ways they've been exploited over the years. Guy in a nationally televised game on Sunday night picks off a pass that Tom Brady threw or Russell Wilson threw or Patrick Mahomes or Ben Roethlisberger or whoever, Eli Manning a few years back, threw. He runs it back 80 yards. He's high-stepping the last 20 of them. Al Michaels or Joe Buck or whoever is singing his praises. And by the time the guy is over the goal line into the end zone, he's got a new shoe deal. It's true. Why shouldn't women athletes have the same privilege? Yeah, I think I'd absolutely agree with you there. And and that doesn't mean that I agree with all of Carly Lloyd's politics. That doesn't mean that anybody agrees with all of Carly Lloyd's politics. Right. But I am not going to deny her the right to have an ego just because I disagree with some things that she says or does or whatnot. Because you cannot get to the pinnacle of international sport without crushing people. And let's say, I think we'd also agree on this much, that international soccer is the pinnacle of international sport in a lot of ways. It's certainly the pinnacle of this sport. You have to crush people. 
you have to knock them over in practice. You have to smash the ball past Hope Solo, who's your best friend and who's the goalkeeper in the uh, national team. You have to do all of these things and have no mercy about it, or else you're not going to get to where she's gotten, or where Megan Rapinoe has gotten, or where Alex Morgan has gotten, or anybody else who has played for the national team has gotten. Simply to get to the national team, you have to crush people. Yes. So again, I don't agree with all of Carly Lloyd's politics, as as I know, because I hear about it all the time, and I discuss it with some people. I don't agree with all of Carly Lloyd's politics, nor do many of us. But I am not going to deny her the right to have an ego. And if you're going to sum up things or ask me how I would sum up Carly Lloyd, I think that's probably how I'd do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've been saying this for a while, but I think one of the things that people don't understand the most about these professional athletes, especially at that level, is you can you can't reach that level without having ego. And they may come off as generally nice people on the outside, but they're super competitive and you just have to. There's no way around not having ego at that level. Just not. And the reason why. Canada didn't beat the U.S. in women's soccer for all. Well, not the reason. Part among the reasons. I certainly think, and I know a lot of people in Canada who feel the same way. Among the reasons why Canada didn't beat the U.S. for all these years is because they didn't have enough such players. Beyond Christine Sinclair and Diana Matheson and one or two others, they had talent. But when it came down to it, they didn't always have that little extra bit psychologically that drove them, you know? Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. So... Shifting gears a little bit. Uh, so sometimes it can be frustrating. I'm still new to covering the sport of NWSL, but there seems to be always be a lack of transparency as far as rules and salaries. What are some of the challenges you face in covering NWSL? Well, that's not new, just so you know. <laughs> Look, young sports leagues don't like being transparent about their finances. And quite frankly, old sports leagues aren't thrilled by it. The only ways that the only ways that it happened over the years, two ways. One is a court case over free agency held to their head like a gun. And second of all, over time they came to realize that free agency runs the hot stove, which gets you talked about in the offseason, and now the NFL is a 365-day-a-year sport. Yeah. So having now invoked the NFL, I'm going to invoke a, a committed even greater sin on your show and mentioned men's <laughs> soccer. Uh-huh. Um, it took nearly 25 years for Major League Soccer to realize that one of the benefits to it of free agency is we'd be talking about the league more in the winter. Which we do. It's true. Um, but in all seriousness, one of the pieces of the puzzle that is missing with the NWSL right now is a strong labor union, which is only now being built out and developed in the NWSLPA, is only this winter after the year the league has been around for a decade going to be heading into its first really, really major collective bargaining talks. And we're going to see how those go. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Ruby, take the next question. Yeah. And I'm excited because... The league is also growing, so hopefully it goes in the right direction. But let's talk about some controversies in the league. Uh, what do you make of the spirit game? Uh, spirit game being canceled for COVID, and what are your thoughts on the the vaccine mandate and the NWSL teams apparently lagging behind 
other leagues on their players being vaccinated. How long is this show again? <laughs> it's about 20 minutes. Okay. No, I, you know, um, it's bad. How's that for an answer? Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. It's very bad. Um, in my book, and again, I'm not the only person out there saying this, Washington ought to forfeit that game. Yeah, I agree with you. Point blank. Forfeit that game. For for take out of the equation the number of well, don't take out of the equation the number of unvaccinated people. Take out of the equation however much money Portland was going to make from what they said was going to be one of their biggest crowds of the season. Mm-hmm. They got on the plane before they were tested properly. You can't oh, yeah. do that. No. And if, I don't know whether that's a problem around the league, but if that happens in any other circumstances, in terms of the cross-country games, you cannot have that. You just can't. No, such towards the end of the season where we got so much like congestion in games, and now we're going to have to well, replay that. It's just yeah, it's not got, fair to you anybody. Got, you, yeah, you got congestion in games all the time. You can't have right. that. Yeah. Never mind the fact the health risk that you're posing to the rest of the populace. By the way. Yep. Not knowing whether you're getting on a commercial airplane going across the country carrying the disease. Yeah. Can't have, pardon, pardon my falsetto voice there for a moment. You can't have that. I think you got everything else, by the way, that's going on with the spirit, which is why I asked whether the show's going to be an hour. <laughs> um, but we'll stick with the vaccine mandate. Yeah. Oh my God, your guest is a liberal, heaven forbid. <laughs> Whatever shall we do? What you know, we can't have that. <laughs> You're totally fine. Of course, there should be a vaccine mandate in the league. Yeah. Now, your average players' union is going to say, and I understand why. We are not going to stand for a vaccine mandate unless it is collectively bargained. And the reason we are, the reason they say that, and since we are recording on Labor Day, and I am also a labor union member. I will say the reason why they do that is because if you let the management impose something outside of collective bargaining, then they will impose something else outside of collective bargaining, and you don't want to know what that something else is going to be. So I get that. But from where I sit, this league ought to have a vaccine mandate. And I wouldn't mind the gates of the stadium having vaccine mandates on them, too. But you will find, I don't know how, I do not know to what degree you will find it in the NWSL because I have not asked around. And a team like Gotham can't make their own rules on the subject because they don't own their own building. Right. But I suspect that if you look around far enough, around American soccer writ in the whole, and I know a few examples of this, but I'm not going to say them on the record lest I falsely end up falsely accusing. There are some teams out there that would be okay with taking the money of people who are not vaccinated because they just want to take as much money as they can. I don't think Gotham is one of those teams. But again, they they don't get to make the rules on the building because it's not their building. But yes, I am in favor of vaccine mandates. Yeah. Yeah, they do have to go with whatever Red Bull Arena has to say. 
But let's move on to another controversy. And this one regarding the coaches and the GMs being fired. What do you think would be the solution for this obvious toxic culture? Are we talking Gotham or league-wide? Just league-wide. league-wide at this point. Because <laughs> it seems like every team is having some issues with coaching. And Well, let me say about Gotham real quick. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Elise LeHue, who I've known personally for a very long time, I only know what has been reported. I do not know anything more. Right. So. When it comes to the rest of it. Let us alight in particular on. Two teams that I know a few things about, which are. Rossing Louisville, as I like to call them. I don't call them. Louisville, <laughs> I call them Rossing. And the Washington Spirit. You could make a pretty solid case that Christy Holly should never have been hired by Louisville in the first place. Mm-hmm. You certainly can. For simple reasons that he was never a good manager of a soccer team before everything else under the sun. And then you can make the argument in Washington that, that Richie Burke should never have been hired because the fact that you coach the club team of the daughter of the owner is not sufficient grounds to be the manager of a professional soccer club. Yeah. So how's that for starters? It's a good start. Now, let me say this about Richie Burke, because I said this on my own show. The, I mean, may I tout my own show for a second without offending oh, too many people? Yeah, feel free. In addition to my writing for the Inquirer, I do a podcast for the uh, Montreal-based sports podcasting network called the Women's Soccer Review which you can find at sportspodcastingnetwork.com. We just put out a new episode in which I and a friend of mine, RJ Allen of Backline Soccer and a few other places. Um, I hadn't done a show in a while since before the Olympics, so we spent a good hour and a half chatting about a bunch of things around. Um, What was I going to say? Apologies for the dramatic pause there. It's bad radio. I should know. Uh, that. No, we're getting into uh, so, racing and, and Richie Burke. Yes, Richie Burke. Your guest over here when he was in high school 20 plus years ago now was the ball boy at his high school soccer games. And Richie Burke was the coach of one of the opposing high schools. And Richie Burke yelled at me rather loudly on a number of occasions for not being fast enough running up the line with the ball. Now, you might have deduced that I, being a sports writer, am not in the shape of being an athlete, nor was I 20 years ago. (laughs) So you can figure out the rest from there, except I was a high school kid, as were all of the players on the field. And in the 20 years since then, times have changed. And people are not as inclined to hire a loudmouth to be a coach, (laughs) especially a loudmouth man to be a coach of a women's team. There's some instances where it works, I'm sure. And there were more instances in the past where it works than now. But I was never all that surprised that he was a loudmouth with the spirit and not for the better. Because he's been a loudmouth for over 20 years and everybody knew it. And again, it certainly would seem that being the coach of your daughter's team is not sufficient grounds to 
be the coach of a professional club. The yeah. rest, again, we can take up the listener's time as much as we want. <laughs> yeah, I think I think what's happening right now is probably the solution, which is more players, that former players becoming coaches, becoming GMs. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the best way to protect the players is to have players as coaches and as GMs. Speaking of that, we have a new GM, interim-wise, and we have a new coach and a new assistant coach. What are your thoughts on Yael and the new coaching staff? Well, I've known Yael for a long time in a number of different capacities. I also, um, as a matter of uh, professional disclaimers, (laughs) since we're in the interest of transparency, Uh, I have known and been friends with her husband, Aaron West, for a long time because he works in the media presently for um, CBS, previously for a number of other outlets. My question was, when she took the GM job, my questions were never, um, would she do well at it? Because I always thought she did. She would. Mm -hmm. They were, would somebody who so often was part of the labor on the union side, how would she do in the management? First. And then, secondly, seeing as how she was hired on an interim basis, did she want it for the she want it permanently. And as I'm sure a number of you read, when I had the interview with her on the eve of uh, on the eve of Scott Parkinson being hired, yeah. that was the first opportunity that I had to ask her whether she wanted to keep the job for the long term. And I hadn't seen anybody do the same yet. So I asked her. And she said, this is my hometown club, and I've always felt that way. I feel really invested in the long-term future here. Nothing's been 100% decided or finalized, but I am invested here in seeing out a future plan that goes beyond this season, which was the first time that anybody had said, sorry, the first time that she had said that she wanted the job for the long term. Well, okay, if she wants the job for the long term, great. You certainly figure that if they turn things around this year and make the playoffs, um, that she will have earned it. And if the players want to keep her around and the ownership, well, the ownership wants to keep her around, then you, you figure that she'll probably be kept around. If they flame out the rest of the year, and people I think would have some questions, but other than that, I think she's probably going to do a fine job. I agree. So far, so good with Yale. And I really have high hopes that she will turn this thing around. I mean, it's been kind of like a roller coaster with Gotham right now. We have our highs and lows. Hopefully, this is our way to the top and make it to the finals. Gary, do you have anything else to ask? I think he's on mute. Whoopsie. 
had our technical difficulties here. Okay, I'm back on. Sorry, I was muted for a second. <laughs> I had an ambulance in the background. <laughs> oh. So, uh, yeah, so one last question before we go. Um, what are your thoughts on the rebrand of Gotham and how it kind of situates them more as a New York team and exposes them to more fans overseas? Well, you know, they moved to Red Bull Arena. And so that's one of the reasons why you do that is because you want to be more of a New York team. Right. And I might even say you want to be more of a New York team than a New Jersey team because that's where the big sponsorship money is. Yeah. Now, the team over the many years, including under Elise LaHue's stewardship, did they knew they had fans in Philadelphia and did a few things here and there to cultivate that and make sure they kept them on board. And in fact, some of us would say that it's easier to get to Red Bull Arena than it is to Rutgers because we can jump on the train and be up there in an hour. Oh, yeah. Um, instead of having to take a couple of different trains to Rutgers and then an Uber across town or whatnot. So, look, the money's in Manhattan. We all know it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not a graphic design expert uh-huh. or even aficionado in the way that a lot of my friends in soccer Twitter are. My chief concerns are if your crest is good, if your jersey doesn't look the same as everybody else's, it's got something unique to it. After that, play in a stadium where the players of the level the players deserve to be in. Sign good players and go out and win games. I agree. Now, don't I do agree. anything politically stupid or extreme either while you're at it. But, you know, winning yeah. games tends to conquer a lot of things. It and does. building up a team that wins games on a consistent and sustainable basis, especially. Yeah. As a New York Red Bull fan as well, I understand that last point very much. <laughs> well, you know, you know where I live. <laughs> you yeah, might also totally you might not know you might not know that I grew up in DC in the stands of RFK Stadium. Oh, okay. And it's sort of amusing the number of Red Bulls fans who accuse me of being a Philadelphian. <laughs> when by way of example, your friend Mark Fishkin has known about me since I was in the DC United Supporters Clubs back in the yeah. That would really rile them up if they knew that. <laughs> yes, indeed. But uh, So are we going to see you at any of the games soon? Well, I will miss the game on the 25th for a few different previous commitments, unfortunately. I'd like to be there, cool. both to see Sean Parkinson's debut and to wave hello at Paul Riley from afar, who I've known for a long time. I intend to be at the regular season finale against Louisville because it's going to be Carly Lloyd's regular season finale against Gotham. And we don't know how the playoffs are going to shake out. Uh, between now and then, well, let's have a look at the calendar. Yeah. All right. So ho- what is it? Yeah, ho- Washington, ho- uh, this- October 6th of the Wednesday, probably not possibly, but probably not. Uh, and then that's it until the 31st. So yeah. we'll say the 31st. Both All right. Now. We will see you in the press booth. That'd be fun. Yep. 
Indeed. Well, Jonathan, really, like, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. And I would definitely want to talk to you soon. And I might actually have to talk to you. I'm, I'm a sports management major, so I have to interview somebody in the oh, press. Oh, my. So, Where at? And you're the, yeah. Where so at? You're the, uh, so it's Southern New Hampshire University I'm on. Ah, yes. Yeah. Well, I've heard of them. Yeah, they're, it's, it's really good. And I yeah, just started my sports management classes. And uh, yeah, I'm probably going to go into podcasting and audio and video editing full time. So no, good to hear. Yeah, indeed. So I'll hopefully talk to you soon and get to, get to know you a little better. Uh, so for all the fans, you guys know where to find Jonathan. Uh, on, yeah, as a Philadelphia Inquirer. You know where to find him on Twitter. And you mentioned your podcast again, which is? Uh, it's called The Women's Soccer Review. You can find it at sportspodcastingnetwork.com. I record it when I have time. It's not exactly a regular schedule. Okay, and when things are happening, and I'll call up somebody I know in the media and say, hey, do you want to talk for an hour? And we open up a Zoom line and we just start yammering. Yeah. Um, I will note also, well, no, cut that part out. <laughs> there, we've got a subscription sale going on. The inquiry ends today, so the yeah. show won't be out in time. Yeah, indeed. All right, so this show will probably be out on Wednesday or Thursday. But so, right. all right, everyone, that's the end of our episode 17 of Soccer Over Gotham. For Jonathan, Ruby, and myself, we thank you all for tuning in. We will see you on the next one, and be kind to each other. <laughs>